My father gave me the greatest gift anyone could give another person. He believed in me. Jim Valvano. Just a good old boy, trying to be a good old man, out here learning on the fly, trying to do the best I Hello, and welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. I am Brett Etheridge, co-host of the podcast with Perry Hughes. Perry, how's it going? Fantastic, my brother. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to hear your voice. I'm sure the listeners are very glad to hear your voice. I feel like the the last few episodes that we have done, they have heard me prompt uh, the episodes by explaining that you were not available because you were on your coming-of-age trip with your son, Liam. And you are back, and we are here to debrief it and hear about it and hear you guys share what the experience was like and what some of the lessons learned were and how the whole trip went. So we're thrilled to have you back, excited to talk about that experience. So for the listeners, that's what we're going to do on this episode. You're going to get to hear a lot from Perry, but also Liam Hughes, Perry's 13-year-old son, who you have heard him reference on the show. But Liam, welcome to you as well. Thank you. Good to be here. Good. It's good to have you here. So, so man, I'll just I'll just dive right in, and I actually want to start with you, Liam. How long have you known about this trip, and have you been looking forward to it? Is it kind of like Christmas morning? It's like finally I get to go on this trip, or what was your like? What was your sense of anticipation around this trip with your dad? Yeah. So I knew we were going to be going on it for a few years, ever since um, my older brother went on his. Didn't really know what we were going to be doing till about. This summer, around in the middle of the summer, we decided we were going to go on a surf trip after a really good surf day at the beach. Have you always liked surfing? Yeah, it's been one of my passions in life. It's been super fun. How long have you been surfing? Um, I don't really know. How long have I been <laughs> It's been a while. You were so little, you probably don't remember when you first started. When, I would say probably at least six years. So you're, you're you know about to be 13 this week so yeah it's pretty long time since you're about what seven yeah so since seven years old when they were little we would go to the beach and I would just put them on the big huge board and push them into the little whitewash waves at you know close to shore we weren't going out into the breakers when they were super young um but they've always been kids that are pretty athletic Liam and all the other kids are all pretty athletic they're pretty good learners and uh, we started we started pushing them into waves pretty young, so it was fun. That's cool. And I remember on an earlier episode, you talked about how with JP, your oldest, you guys went on a, a hiking trip, a, a backpacking trip, but you felt like it was important to tailor the trip to each child. And so for Liam, it made more sense to surf. Maybe you can talk a little bit about really sort of what the the idea behind this trip came from. How did surfing come about? Sure. So <clears throat> my original idea for the trip was because Liam is very much an ocean boat guy. Like he's just been in love with the ocean, been in love with boats since he was literally two years old. Because some of his very first drawings as a little kid, you know, with crayons and all that are of boats, um, all different types of boats. But anyway, he's he's the ocean kid out of the bunch. They all are really, but he he is probably the strongest. And so I was thinking, let's do an Everglades canoeing trip or kayaking, like camp and paddle like through the Everglades. Um, and that's kind of what I was thinking for a long time, quite a, a couple of years really in thought process of it. And then like Liam said, we had this great surf session this past summer. We're sitting on the beach, just kind of marveling in the awesomeness of it. And Liam comes up to me and he's like, Hey dad, I'm like, what's up? He goes, I'm, I'm thinking about our trip. And I'm like, yeah, man, me too. It's going to be so much fun. He goes, can we, can we change it? And I'm like, yeah, what do you, I'm oh, sure buddy. What do you want to change it to? He's like, let's uh, let's do a surf trip instead of uh, a kayak trip. And I was like, yes, that sounds great. And at first, you know, I was wondering, like, is it going to be wilderness enough? You know, because in my mind, it needs to be this rugged, like wilderness experience, you know. Um, but because I was open, you know, and curious and willing to do something out of what I my preconceived notion of what it had to be like was. We totally shifted gears, changed plans, and and did a surf trip. And the surf trip was actually a couple nights in a hotel in Jacksonville in the beginning, and then the rest of the trip at a campground. Campground camping is really roughing it for some people, but for us, that's kind of more like luxury glamping style, you know. Um, but uh, it turned out fantastic. And we, I would say 
Liam, we had plenty of adventure in the ocean. Yeah. And yeah. there was plenty of challenge, plenty of wildness, plenty of danger while we were actually paddling out with waves. So it, that mission was certainly accomplished, even though we weren't, you know, in the backcountry camping. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. And that's, that's part of the goal, right? I mean, so when we think about these coming of age trips for our kids, and for those of you listening, this might be a new concept. I know we've talked about it a little bit here on the podcast, but what a, just a really cool idea of saying, hey, son, daughter, you're turning 13 years old. Let's go out and do something together. But we do stuff with our kids a lot anyway. So how is this different? How's the trip going to be different? And you're talking about injecting an element of of adventure. And like you said, the environment around it doesn't necessarily have to be huge adventure as long as the surfing itself is adventure because it's pushing you outside your comfort zone a little bit and saying, hey, you know what? You are capable, Liam, of accomplishing more than you think you are uh, capable of accomplishing. And as you head out into the world, as you become a man, it's important for you to to internalize that fact, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, you know, for all the dads listening, there needs to be a balance, you know, of wisdom and understanding too, because uh, Liam, if you don't mind sharing with everybody, when you first said, Hey, I want to do a surf trip. Do you remember like kind of what you really wanted out of that surf trip? Cause we're at home surfing, like, you know, two foot waves. You, you said, Hey, let's do a surf trip. And I want it to be like this. You remember what you said? I said I want to catch some really big waves because at home we don't have a whole lot of big waves. Some of them are clean, um, but the biggest we'll get is normally a three or four foot wave. So what were you looking for? Like I was looking for a big wave. I was like looking for six, a challenge. Yeah, like six plus, like six, seven, eight foot wave. You're like, yeah. hey, now let's go surf some monsters. Yeah. Remember yeah. what I said? Said no, I only want to surf like four foot waves that are clean. Let's <laughs> surf. Well, I said, well, let's maybe instead of going to like let's instead of jumping from like two footers two and threes to like six and sevens and eights, like maybe let's jump to four and fives, you know? So there definitely has to be a balance where your kid might in their brain go, Hey, let's go, let's go surf seven foot waves. And we, as the dads go, "Mm, that might be too big of a jump. Let's have an intermediate jump. And on the front side of when I said that to you, what was your reaction? Do you remember? Um, Were you happy about that or were you kind of pissed? I was kind of like, I, I want to surf the big waves. So you're like, no, that's not, doesn't work, right? It's not big enough. We yeah. got to go get big ones. And then after our experience, would you say you appreciated that? Or how do you feel about it now? You think it was? Yeah, yeah, I'd say I appreciate it. We, when we were in Jacksonville, the surf forecast was actually really big. And it said six to seven foot waves. And we didn't catch one and got pounded by quite, quite a few big waves. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, go ahead. And I think part of the reason you guys pushed the trip back a little bit was because the forecast was for such huge waves. And actually, there was a surf competition beforehand, right? You did you get to watch some pro surfers, Liam? Yeah, that was super cool. We uh, we went and watched the competition the first and second day in Jacksonville for a few hours. It was super cool. Yeah, was it inspiring? It was very inspiring. Yes, and gives you something to shoot for someday. Oh, yeah, totally. So how much yeah. bigger were those waves that those guys were riding compared to maybe what you did compared to what you've only done to this point in your life? So most of them were a little bit bigger. I tried to paddle for some waves that were that big, but they were catching them and doing backsides, front sides. Um, really, the, I think a few of them tried to get a little bit of air, but they weren't getting huge airs, but they were still getting some airs. So they were definitely a lot better than I was. Yeah. But you, I mean, so I can just sense you just have in your spirit, like in in your God given heart, this this heart of of adventure and pushing yourself and wanting a challenge. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So okay, well, so let's let's dive in. So you you did the you watched the competition first for a few days, and now it's your guys' turn to surf. Tell me about it. Like what was. You know, I got a text from Perry at some point saying, oh, we both caught the biggest waves we've ever caught. What was it like for you, Liam, catching that first really big wave that was bigger than anything you'd ever done before? Well, it was like a five, four-foot wave. And when I was on the face of it, I kind of looked up at it, and it was easily as tall or taller than I was when I was on my board. So that was just super, super crazy and like a wow moment. Like I was looking up, and the waves was taller than I was. So that was super cool. That's pretty cool awareness to be on the board and still like looking around, taking it all in, enjoying the experience. 
Yeah, it was super cool. <laughs> How do you gauge the height of a wave? So I'm I'm not a surfer. I I surfed one time in my whole life out in Hawaii on a family trip when I was probably in middle school or something, and it was just a, a gradual little longboard, and I popped up, and it gently rolled me into the shore, and I was just happy I could stand up on it. It was kind of like skateboarding on the water. Uh, so I've never I've never surfed. I've never caught a big wave or anything like that. How do you gauge the size of a wave? How do you know if it's four foot or five foot? I mean, you said it was relative to your height, so you obviously know how tall you are, but how do you know how big these waves are? Well, so one of the reasons is there's surf apps you can get on your phone. Um, there's a whole bunch of them, and they'll tell you what size the waves are at five o'clock. If maybe they don't change throughout the whole day, normally it'll be like, say, maybe three foot waves, but then you'll catch a four and a half foot swell, right? Um, so the waves will come in sets. You'll kind of have a few small ones, and then that's when you want to paddle out, and then hopefully you can catch a really big one in wait all the big ones will come by and then you can catch and then you can paddle out through the small ones again so that's pretty much what it means you know there might be some three foot little waves and then you can catch a big four foot wave in okay yeah so we do we're still very beginner surfers and so we we do a lot of gauging from what the 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 app report tells us hey expect three foot waves today expect one to two expect you know then the swell might be a foot higher or whatever but yeah, the week before that we didn't go was hurricane was coming through and the waves were 15, you know, 15 foot waves. So that was crazy. Uh, way, way, way above our pay grade. Um, but yeah, a lot of the surfing that we did was, you know, in that three, four foot range. And then occasionally there, there would be a, a bump up, you know, four and a half, maybe even a, maybe even a five foot wave. So it was really fun. And even, uh, you know, there's a difference in like, a three foot wave in Florida might be way different than a three foot wave in North Carolina, you know, because the shores are going to be different. The short, the way, how close to shore it breaks, the way it breaks, you know, uh, the steepness of it, the the length of like, how long does, is it going to have a face? How long is it going to be rideable? You know, how far out did you have to paddle to catch it? You know, so all those things are kind of different. And so I think that was one of the fun things about going on the trip too, that, I would say Liam really got to learn firsthand is that just because you've been surfing in the summers for five years at home, we go to this completely new place, this completely new shoreline, this completely new break. It's going to be a whole different experience, you know? And I think that was something that it takes because I can tell them that ahead of time, you know, tell them about, Oh, I went on this surf trip to Costa Rica and me and my buddy surfed and the waves were six or seven foot. And I didn't catch anything for like the first four days. I just got washing machine. And then by the end of the week, when the waves died down a little bit, I could start to catch some, you know, and I would tell him, Hey, like, this is going to be different. You might, we might not catch waves for a few days. We're just kind of going to a new spot. We're learning it. We're figuring it out. We're, you know, getting the feel of the break, getting the feel of the ocean. And uh, so I think that was a really valuable lesson learned too, is that uh, each, each break is a different place, you know, and each experience is going to be a different experience. So what about you, Liam? How would you say that? I know that we talked about that ahead of time, but was that one of those things that was kind of like, oh yeah, dad, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We actually went out to eat with some friends we have in Jacksonville, Florida, and she's like a pro surfer. And she's what she said. She's caught like been traveling a lot for like the past 30 years, catching big waves. And, um, and she was like, yeah, one time I went to this beach for a 10 day surf trip. And I didn't catch one wave for the past till the last two days. Huh. So, and I, you know, I was still kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> these are just like almost the same size waves as we have at home. And I didn't catch waves for the first two, three days. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Were you nervous at all? Did you get, you talked about how one of the waves kind of punished you a little bit. Did you get a little scared seeing some of the bigger waves or was it just exhilarating? Like, was your heart pumping? What were some of your emotions? See, there's kind of two types of boards. There's a short board and there's a long board and the long board, you can't really duck dive it, which is where you go under the wave and on the way out, on the way out. Yeah. And so I've never had to duck dive a board because the waves aren't really big enough. You can just kind of go up and over them at home. So even when I take out the short board, you don't have to duck dive waves. So the first few days, me and dad, we were taking out the short boards and we didn't know how to duck dive them. 
So there'd be like a four to six, seven foot wave, and it would just pound us. <laughs> we couldn't go under it. Um, and then we actually started taking out the bigger boards, and they were faster, so we wouldn't get quite as caught up in the in the whitewash in the breaking waves. Was it scary though? Some of the bigger ones. Yeah. So when I first was standing on the beach looking at them, I was like, "Ah, eh, those aren't that big." And then when you get out there and you're laying down, it's kind of like laying down on the floor and looking up six feet and being like, that's pretty tall. <laughs> and picture just like a six foot wave just yeah. slamming. So, yeah, it was pretty scary when there would be a big old wave and you didn't know how to duck dive. Yeah. That's yeah. the way That's the way it is skiing. We'll, we'll be on the chairlift skiing with my boys. And, you know, you're looking down at the slope and you're like, oh, I could do that. And you're seeing other people skiing. Oh, that's easy. Dad, let's go do that black diamond. And then you're standing at the top of the ski slope, staring down, and that's a lot steeper than it looked from the chairlift. You know, that's that's awesome. Let me ask you, Perry, because this raises really, I think, an important point for for other men listening out there, and for myself thinking about these trips. How much of a stretch should it be for you as well, the father? It sounds like you were figuring some of this stuff out as well. You know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, okay, if I'm initiating my son. I'm helping him come of age. I'm supposed to be the expert. Like, yeah. But you're figuring this stuff out as well. You didn't know how to duck dive, whatever that is. You're also catching the biggest wave you've ever caught. I mean, did you have butterflies? Were you a little nervous? Was it pushing you outside your own comfort zone? And was it cool then to sort of be having this adventurous experience with your son and learning with him rather than being the expert? Sure. So yes and no to all that, which I can explain a little bit more. So it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the most intense surfing that I've done. I've I've been in more challenging water. I've been in more more turbulent water. I've been in bigger waves. But by having more surf experience on this trip than I had on my other trips, I was able to actually catch the waves. Whereas before when I went just myself with, you know, other adults on a, you know, surf adventure, I'm out in that level of surf, just failing, you know, failing, failing, failing. And so this one, um, from a standpoint of me not being the expert, you know, I mean, Liam and I pretty much started surfing at the same time. I didn't surf as a kid. I didn't surf as a young adult. I started surfing as a father who's like, I want to learn how to surf and I want my kids to learn how to surf too. Now I've done a lot of snowboarding and uh, stuff like that, you know, so that helps a little bit, but I think it is okay to do that to a certain extent. If you have zero experience, you know what I mean? Like I took JP backpack and I took Liam surfing. I've backpacked a lot, mm -hmm. very seasoned at that. Um, but physically I wasn't in the best shape of my life on JP's trip. So it was actually, it was actually really challenging on that backpacking trip. I was in the pain cave a lot. Um, we actually modified the trip because of my physical limitations versus my son's physical limitations. Um, and then on this trip with Liam, yes, catching some of the biggest waves, but no, there wasn't a sense of butterflies. There wasn't a sense of like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, outside of my comfort zone. It was very much in my comfort zone. Um, but one of the things I did to mitigate that is I hired a surf lesson for us one of the days. And we actually uh, paid a guy to paddle out with us, or he swam, but we paid a guy to take us out and give us pointers on our surfing. Because, you know, I said to Liam, look, we started surfing at the same time. Like, yeah, I'm an adult. I might have a different perspective than you. I might have a, you know, I might be able to understand it quicker than you, but let's get somebody that's really been surfing their whole lives and get them to take us out and teach us a few things. And so I think that, A, that does a couple things with my son is that it teaches him Number one, I don't know everything. He's a pretty smart kid. So he figured that out at a younger age than most. You know, there's that, there's that fall, you know, from superherodom that we all have as fathers at some point. When your kids are so young, you're like Superman, you know? Uh, and then at some point they realize you're not. You're just, you know, you're just another guy. Liam figured that out pretty young because he's such a smart boy. But uh, he still, you know, I think it's good for them to learn that. We as dads don't have everything figured out and we as dads need to be able to learn from others. And we're modeling, we're modeling being teachable. We're modeling seeking out instruction, you know, on something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a great trip. Lots of fun. 
So did you actually have fun, Liam? I mean, was it a, a really oh, yeah. fun experience? I had so much fun. It was one of the best trips I've ever taken in my life. Um, we traveled a lot as a family, um, but it was definitely one of the most exciting and fun trips I've ever been on. What do you like about spending one-on-one -on -one time with your dad? Because that's part of what made it different, right? What do you What do you love about spending time with your dad? You know, it's it's a lot of different things. You know, we can stay up later. We can, you know, well, we were. It was almost nine o'clock when we got done surfing one night, and we were like, and um, and dad was like, "All right, let's uh, go out to dinner. Where Where's the place?" And normally. <laughs> Normally I'll have to be getting at bed, getting in bed at around nine o'clock, and we just drove like twenty minutes and ate out at nine nine thirty, and it was super fun. Yeah, bros being bros. He was the only kid in the red. Well, there was one little kid we saw when we were leaving, but yeah. it, there was no kids in there because it was like a school night or whatever, you know. Um, should we tell them about our prank? Well, let me let me ask you the same question in reverse, though, Perry. What do you like about your one-on-one time, one -on -one time with your kids and specifically with Liam? What was it like for you to be able to spend one-on-one -on -one time with him on this trip? Sure. I love the one-on-one -on -one time with my kids. I make an effort to try to do that on a, a weekly basis to get off with at least one kid for like a lunch or like a climb a tree or just do something, go get an ice cream, do something special because there's a different dynamic when it's just the two of us. And so I'm doing that on purpose as much as I can, because it gives us the time to do a create fun memories together, do adventures, you know, on a trip like this, have uh, some hardship, you know, experience some challenges together. Um, and then it also just builds a bond of doing fun things, you know, and it deepens our relationship. And uh, one of the greatest things, one of the greatest privileges of spending time with Liam is that he's such a um, intelligent thinker. He's such a, uh, genuine and loving and just, he's got a great heart and he's got a really inquisitive mind. And so I love, you know, spending time with him and we can get into some deeper conversations about life, you know, because it's much easier to talk about the deep, meaningful things of life when it's just a one-on-one -on -one basis versus when, you know, there's like three other kids running around. They might be arguing with each other or wrestling each other. You know what I mean? Whatever is happening, there's all these kind of different distractions. And so we build the foundation of relationship. And then on that foundation, we talk about deep, meaningful life things, you know. And I want to hear about some of those, but tell us about this prank. <laughs> okay, so we really love people and we love connecting with people but then there's some people that just get on your nerves you know and some of the people that get on my nerves the most are the the you got a little bit of an you got a little bit of authority and it just you, you're just maxed out you know the extreme rule followers the extreme i'm going to tell you how to follow the rules like those people just annoy me and so i like to play pranks on them sometimes <laughs> because liam was being a responsible kid and he was taking stuff to he was going to the bathroom and then he was also throwing something away Right. And some guy comes out of nowhere, like out of the shadows and like barks at you. Like, you can't throw that away in this trash can or something, right? Like, So he was telling me that I couldn't throw the uh, the trash away in the bathroom trash can. I had to go back out to the camp dumpster and throw it away there. And it wasn't even a trash bag. You know, it was just like a little snag wrapper. And I was like, all right. So I went and threw it away. But then I actually saw the guy had just jumped in his camper right near the bathroom. And that's probably why he was... You know, he was right there because his camper was right there. So then one or two nights later, we ate this. We tried to eat this pre-packaged soup mix that was horrible. It was so full of turmeric that it it turned our wooden forks and spoons yeah. yellow. Oh, gross. It was nasty. It was like supposed to be chicken noodle soup. It was awful, unedible. We tried really hard to eat it, and it was just gross, gross, gross. And we're like, what are we going to do with all this extra soup? It's disgusting. Like, and so I had the idea of pranking this guy. And there's a, all these raccoons around at the campground. And the night before, they had been like all around our table, like climbing in, trying to get our stuff, kept us up half the night. They tried to get in the cooler, which was literally not a foot away from our truck, which we were sleeping in our rooftop tent. Yeah. 
So I had the idea of let's dump the soup out near this guy's campsite so the raccoons would come over there and bother him all night instead of bothering us. That is if the raccoons could stomach the turmeric. I don't know whether or not. But we couldn't just walk over there and dump it out, so we had to be a little more sneaky about it. So we dumped all the soup into one pot that Liam carried, and we, I told, we made the plan ahead of time, and we walked near their campsite, and I started going, and I'd go, Liam, are you okay? And I'd go, and then he just dumped all the soup out right by the thing, and I was like, and he dumped it out. And then I patted him on the back. I'm like, oh, buddy, let's go to the bathroom. And we like, we like ran off to the bathroom to wash the dishes after that. So we pretended we staged a puke right by their campsite. <laughs> Any evidence that the raccoons took the bait? Well, the next morning, all the soup was gone. So <laughs> went over there. That's awesome. So having lots of fun, lots of laughs. You also mentioned though, t- tell us some stories because you had mentioned that there were some challenges as well, even outside of the water. So what were some of the challenges outside of the water? Some of the challenges inside of the water? How'd you guys overcome? Uh, yeah, just tell us some stories. Well, yeah, we can tell them that one. I was gonna, I was just going to kind of string them all out real quick and then go into the ones that like make good sense. So we went down there to surf and some friends told us, yeah, you can set up camp and just walk to the beach. Well, it's like a mile walk to the waves. And then not only is it a mile walk to the waves, but it's the mile a mile walk to the wrong side of the inlet. So it would actually be two miles to walk to the other side of the inlet because you got to go across this huge bridge. But on top of that, the north side of the state park was completely closed because they had no water, no power, like from this hurricane, debris everywhere. And so we went down to surf this one spot, and it's closed. We can't surf it. <laughs> okay challenge right out of the gate yeah so that turned out okay we went we did some research and we found another surf spot and we surfed that one it's called spanish house and it's a pretty hard paddle out because there's this waves break on sandbars so there's the inside break and then there's like the sandbar that's the middle break you can't really surf it but it's real foamy tumultuous white water and then there's like the outside break that you actually can catch the waves and surf so it's a really hard paddle out because you can get through the inside easy then you get to the middle and it just like hammers you hammers you pushes you back pushes really exhausting so that was a definite obstacle um and that day that we served spanish so we had a rooftop tent on the truck so we were planning once we get to the campsite we just set the tent up and leave it and we walked to the beach every day well then we realized you got it we had to take the tent up down up down every day because it's attached to the truck so we had to drive to the search spot. So that night when we got home, it was like, was it dark yet or almost, it was dark? almost dark? But it wasn't because it was dark. When we had to it's almost dark. We pull up and I look and Liam's kind of a kid, you know, he's just in his kid zone, whatever. We pull up and I, there's like literally a, a giant camper in our campsite set up. Tent out awning outsides like every like they had a bug a bug room set up and we pull up to the campsite and i look at it and i'm like well and i don't know what you were thinking were you like well, at first i was like at first i was thinking why did he stop at this campsite why did he stop at somebody else's campsite <laughs> our campsite was actually the only paved campsite or one of the only paved campsites in the whole ground the whole campground so uh, we at first thought it was like a handicap site, but they just paved that site because maybe they were wanting to pave all the sites and we're just starting with that one. But it was the only paved site in the campground. And then I noticed that and I was, and, dad, dad, on you. and he had already gotten out and was starting to walk over to them. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, they're actually in our campsite. Where's all of our stuff? Did you think that? Think our stuff was gone. We left like, we left two surfboards, like. All of our bins with all of our camping gear, our stove, our grill. We have like this like blackstone grill that we cook on. Our like all of our stuff was like in the campsite. So where to go? What, what happened to it? Well, the rangers came and picked it up. Uh, so long story short, the gentleman at the desk the first night wrote the correct number on our sign that we hang from the uh, rearview mirror, but he verbally told us the wrong number. So we went and set up camp at one site over than we were supposed to be the first night somebody else had booked that for one night we were booked for the week 
Um, and the person who had booked it for one night, the the Rangers just assumed, oh, they left. They had an emergency. They left their stuff. So the Rangers came and got all of our stuff, put it back in the Ranger area, like the maintenance sheds, you know, and all that. And the other people were like, oh, we've had this site booked since, you know, we've had this site booked since like April. And I'm like, well, I just booked it last week for like the whole week. You know, and we're like, so I'm standing there talking to these people. I'm like, ah, one of us is wrong. Turns out it was me. <laughs> uh, but fortunately, I was gracious and kind with the people. You know, it wasn't like, yeah, campsite, you know. But anyway, so we go back to the ranger station, we get all of our stuff, we talk to the guy. He tells us, oh, you're in 25. And I'm like, looking at the thing, I'm like, are you sure? Cause I think we're in 26. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're in 26. And I'm like, all right, cool. So we go back, we go to the rangers, we get all of our stuff, we reset up. And we were turned out we're in campsite 26 the rest of the week. And our neighbors turned out to be delightful people from uh, Charleston, pretty near by us. And we actually shared some stories about James Island and eating at the same restaurants and like kind of knowing the same stuff. And one day while we were gone, it rained and we were out late that night. They brought over a um, like a tablecloth and they covered our our kitchen utensil, like our kitchen cookware and all the stuff that was left out it wouldn't have gotten ruined you know i didn't leave anything out that would have gotten ruined but it was nice of them to cover our stuff so that was kind of a funny experience that we showed up back to camp you know ready to To find all your stuff just gone all our stuff is gone right yeah and that's the last thing you want to be dealing with in those moments because you're tired you just want to eat you're you know yeah part of me is like oh man did somebody steal it like you know, like this is a big surf spot. I mean, it's a big surf spot, but it's also, it's bigger known for fishing. So it's a more common where people will pay a day pass and come fish because the campsites are right across from the waterway, right across from the river that, that goes out to the inlet. And there's just people like everywhere, like all on the rocks, you know, people come in for the day, they're fishing. Some of them, you know, less affluent, you know, that type of demographic. And I'm like, oh man, did somebody like look over here and see these surfboards and all this camp stuff and like come steal it but nope just the rangers but we got it all back they helped us bring it back and it was problem solved no issues nice so there were some physical challenges both on and off the water uh talk about maybe the spiritual component of the trip and i say that you know somewhat loosely just in terms of just the connection the conversations the 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 big topics maybe that you guys talked about, because I know there's an element of that as well, right? For the, on these trips, obviously we want, we want to have fun. We want to have adventure. We want to push our limits a little bit, but we also want to connect with our children. And, and sometimes I feel like that can be forced, meaning it can feel forced. It's like, okay, I'm going to block out this time to have, you know, a meaningful experience with my son. And it just doesn't kind of happen. Like it just, it doesn't happen. Sometimes it takes some time for that to happen. And it's not towards until the end of a trip like that, where, you know, the the child starts to open up or, or it makes sense to have a certain conversation or whatever. And so I, I would just be curious to hear your experience along those lines. Did you, were you able to have those meaningful connections? Did it happen organically or did it feel forced? And I know you had enough days that that there was some time to sort of let it happen organically. But but talk to me about that part of the trip. Sure, absolutely. So yes, it happened both ways. We had some uh, structured and planned where I kind of set the table and set the stage and intentionally brought it up. We had six and a half or maybe seven hours on the ride down to Jacksonville. And then we had about nine and a half uh, hours or 10 hours, maybe on the way back from Sebastian Inlet. So that's a lot of seat time. And we did listen to music some, which was fun. And we listened to some books on tape, which we really like to do. And then I also intentionally turned all that stuff off and said, Hey, let's have some man conversations. And so we did some of that on the way down. We talked to, we talked more in depth about sex and sexuality and God's plan for sex. And we talked about some things that might uh, want, might try to trip him up. You know, he might have, he's going to at some point have, you know, one of his friends or somebody show up with a, a you know, a phone that says, Hey, look at this. And it's going to, uh, you know, be pictures of naked women or, you know, whatever. And he needs to have a plan for that. We talked about that and that was a really good time. Although it might've been, you know, when we got done talking about it, I was like, well, what do you think about that? Liam? And he goes, that's kind of weird, you know, like, <laughs> 
I said, yeah, it's weird information. It's also a little, you know, weird to talk about, but that's okay. Everybody feels a little bit weird about it, but the more we talk about it, the more comfortable it'll get, the easier it'll be to talk about this stuff. And, and then we had some intentional conversation on the way home that was about, Hey, you're 13. Like, you know, part of, you know, becoming an adult, becoming a man is finding a craft, finding a passion, finding a, an impact on the world. And we kind of want to look at God's gifts and talents that he's given us. Um, you know, one of Liam's great talents is he's very good with animals. So we kind of talked a little bit about, you know, maybe there's some paths for, for uh, impacting the world through his giftedness with animals and connection there, some dog training type things. We watched some Caesar Milan videos, which was really fun. And, um, you know, we talked about that some, and then there was two more kind of, uh, well, one more was me setting the stage. I had a conversation with Nancy uh, while we were away and she said, Hey, she had just found out that the boys were using some inappropriate language um, you know, just swear words and, and stuff like that with some, with one of their friends. And we talked about that and we actually dove into the scripture. There was a proverb that day. We were reading the Proverbs of the day and Proverbs 15, four, uh, we looked into that lean. You think do we have it remembered enough? We can try. I can try. Yeah. All right. Proverbs 15, four. Right. A, yeah. See, see if you can remember it. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit yeah nice so you know nancy brought that up to me that she had that had come to light with her and jp while they were having some quality one-on-one time at home while the two of us were away so liam and i talked about you know what does it mean to honor you know god with your tongue and let's let's be men of integrity and and you know you know brett that i like to cuss as like a sailor in some environments and I have intentionally been opening the door and doing that some in front of my kids, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, as a mistake, uh, you know, but, um, we talked about that some, and we talked about being in control of our tongue and we kind of took that scripture to heart. And then we did have one really impromptu meeting, uh, heart to heart conversation where we were doing some school one of the days working on math and Liam had been really honestly having a pretty bad attitude about it for a little bit, right? Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a bad attitude during the math lesson. And we were talking and I said, Liam, what's up, man? And he finally was just like, you know, threw his pen down and he's like, I hate school. This is stupid. Math is dumb. I'm never going to use it. What's the point? It's just a waste of time. And I was like, oh, thank you so much for sharing the heart of that, you know? And so we kind of just dove into that as an impromptu conversation. And we talked about you know, the importance of learning math equations and the importance of, you know, all those things. So we could kind of dive into deep into any one of those if you want to, or if you have any follow-up questions about any, any or all of those, we're, I'm game for whatever. Yeah. Is I, I think those are obviously great topics and some of that stuff, I think we can leave between the two of you guys in terms of just, you know, the, the meaningful conversations that you guys had with each other. I would just ask you, Liam, is it easy for you to talk about things of the heart with people in general? Is it easier maybe to have those conversations with your dad? How do you, how do you feel when you're having kind of those deeper conversations? It's, uh, it's definitely easier to talk about this kind of stuff with my dad. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And do you think, um, do you think it's because you've always been able to come to him to talk to him? Is he understanding what, what about the way your dad talks to you makes it easy? Do you think to, to talk to him about important stuff? I don't know. I've just, you know, I've known him my whole life and like, you know, I can just talk to him about anything. That's a good answer. Yeah. I love that. Very cool. Um, and by the way, I, you're not the only one thinking school is stupid right now. My, I, my, my soon-to-be 13-year-old is, is experiencing something very similar. And interestingly, we had a very similar conversation about a week and a half ago as well. So you're not alone there, but I'm sure your dad gave you great advice around how to, how to think about the importance of it. And, and even if you never, you know, even if you never use math in your career 20 years from now, it's the discipline of, of doing hard things, of 
of, of disciplining your mind, of stretching your mind, of being a well-rounded individual. And so certainly I'm sure your dad talked to you a lot about a lot of that stuff. But uh, And the other thing too is we do all, all things is under the Lord. And so one of the things that I'm always impressing upon my kids is even if you don't like something in the moment, if it's what God has put in front of you and you have the duty to do it, I mean, it, you don't have the choice to not go to math class or English class or band class or whatever it is in school. Well, let's show up with excellence because how we do anything is how we do everything. And so let's do it with excellence while we're doing it. And then if you don't need it in the future, that's okay. But it's not wasted. God never wastes anything. So, Yeah, that's a great word. So, yeah. So I'm, that's. it sounds like you guys had an incredible experience and, and some really fun stories. Uh, real quick for you, Liam, and I know this is like a huge question that that may be hard to answer because I think it's a hard question for grownups even looking back on to answer. But but you are thirteen, and and part of the idea of these trips is is we call them coming of age. You're you're moving from being a boy into the phase where you're going to become a man. As you, do you think about that at all? Do you think about being a grown-up or like what does it mean to you to think about being a man? When do you think somebody is a man? Well, let me think about that for a second. You're right. That's a, that's a hard question. I just don't know if it's something 13-year-olds actually do think a lot about. And maybe that's the answer. If you don't, if you've never really thought about it, I think some kids maybe think about being grown-ups more than others. And Maybe your mind hasn't sort of switched into that mode yet where you're starting to think about moving to the next level of responsibility and, and becoming a man. But yeah, I just didn't know if you had any thoughts about what it means to be a man. Yeah, well, you know, I always used to like think when I was younger, okay, well, this age is like when I'm going to be a grown up. Like I, I used to think 14 when I was like five. I was like, 14's a grown up? Yeah. And then <laughs> my older brother's 14 and a half, almost 15. And I'm like, He's not like he's not a grown-up <laughs> teenager. He's still a kid. So, you know, when I was younger, I thought an age was a grown-up or something like that. Um, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe a grown-up's when you turn twenty-one and you're a grown-up legally, or when you're eighteen and you know you can go serve in the army. I think it's just kind of like whenever you turn into a grown-up and you start being, you know, fully mature and you get a job that you might have for the rest of your life or you maybe you get a family, something like that is when you get a grown-up, when you become a grown-up. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. Is that something you have spent much time on thinking about really or not a whole lot of time? I mean, sometimes I'll think about it. Yeah. Like, like I said, I used to think like when I was four or five, I'd be like, yeah, I mean, a 14 year old. is. <laughs> I love that. Well, so, Hey, next year, then you got to start saying, you know, you're going to have to start paying for the electric bill and, you know, rent. Yeah, you got to start paying rent next year and helping with the groceries and now be it, you know, it's, it is that balancing act because continue to be a kid, continue to, to just enjoy the freedom of the stage of life that you're in. We definitely don't, uh, don't need to rush our kids past that. And yet, good for you guys for starting to think about important things. And it sounds like some of the conversations that you guys have had are are big conversations about important uh, important topics that are a part of growing up and becoming a man. So you're you're on that journey. And I don't know if we ever fully arrive, right? Perry and I have talked about that as well. <laughs> We're in our 40s and, yeah, and uh, I don't become... know if you ever fully arrive. But at some point, you still have to at least play the role of adult. Uh, but that's that's kind of the point here on the Faithful Fatherhood podcast is to to help men become real men, and we have to grow up. We can't stay kids forever. So, any final reflections for you, Perry? As you've had so a few days, a day or two to just kind of reflect, debrief um, things that you might do differently with Seth. You know, things that missed opportunities, things that you did well. Any anything to impart to other men who might be thinking about or planning their own coming of age trips with their own kids? Do's don'ts. Any final sort of reflections on this particular trip with Liam and then also thinking to the future? Absolutely. <clears throat> so I think a couple of things that I did well was catering the trip that Liam's going to be excited about. Yes. You know, every one of my kids is different. JP was chomping at the bit to go backpacking. 
And if I'd have said to Liam, hey, bud, we're going to go on a uh, backpacking hike for your 13th. We're going to hike all these miles every day. It's going to be grueling. And it's just not at all what he would be excited about. Right. You know, so um, we need to be in, in tune enough with our kids and know their passions and know their um, desires and their natures to to plan a trip that is fun and exciting for them. And I honestly, you know, almost missed the boat on that because I was planning a paddling trip. Let's go on this paddling wilderness adventure. And, but, but thankfully Liam is bold enough and we're comfortable enough in our relationship that he could say, Hey dad, I know we've been talking about this paddling trip, but I really would rather go surfing and I'm going great. So I think that is, uh, you know, if I'd have been real rigid and been like, no, it has to be this, it has to be this uh, wilderness adventure. I don't think it would have been as good of a trip. No, I, I'm, I'm glad we went surfing. Me too. I'm really glad we went surfing. So I feel like that was a home run win to be able to do that um, and be able to shift gears, you know. And then I think in terms of, you know, missed opportunities or regret, you know, I, I think one of the things I could have done more of is just talk a little bit more about, Hey, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to, what does it mean to grow from a boy into a man? You know, I kind of talked about God's plan for sex and marriage and, and some pitfalls to avoid. These are some things to look out for. And I kind of planted the seed of like, Hey, let's be thinking about a career path, but I didn't really spend as much time, you know, in hindsight as I would have liked to on what is a man, you know, what, what defines, you know, a man and, and how do we begin to lean into responsibility, leadership, teachability, you know, can't, do we hear from the Lord? Are we looking into the scriptures? Are we reading the Bible? Are we hearing from the Holy spirit? Are we, you know, walking in the path that he sets us on? Um, are we standing up for the the weak? Are we fighting for the poor? Are we, you know, doing these things um, and, and begin to cast that vision of what, what does God say a man is? What does God say a man's roles are? And what are his responsibilities? You know, I think we've got a lot of confused people in our world right now in terms of what is a man, what is a woman, um, because there's, there is a lack of definition on what the role is. I think it's a lot easier to know how to be a man if you understand what the role of a man is. Um, and so I think, you know, that's some missed opportunity there probably. But I also recognize, and I want to encourage all the listeners to know that it's not going to happen on one trip. That's right. It's not going to happen on one ice cream date. It's it's a process over time. You know, Liam said, well, my dad, I've been, I've been around my dad my whole life, right? That's the point. We need to be doing these types of things on a regular basis, we need to not see it as a one-time occurrence. It's not a one-time training trip. It's just building memories to deepen our relationship, to deepen our trust, to deepen his ability to feel comfortable coming and talking to me about these things so that we can set the stage to can have a continual conversation and a continual exploration of what do all these things mean? You know, and how does that translate to Liam's life? Because Liam's a different person than I am, just like he's a different person than his brothers and his sister. So his life path is going to look a little different than mine, you know, but there are some basic principles and there's some basic roles that we want to make sure he understands and, and he knows how to pursue those things. But it's not going to happen on a, on a one week surf trip. You know, it's going to happen over the course of the next rest of our lives. You know, and yet it is important to mark a moment in time. Yes. So it, it would be easy to say, well, I'm just with him every day anyway until he's 18 and goes off to college. No, but turning 13 is also an important moment in time. So let's mark that. Let's do something intentional. Let's try to create space to have meaningful conversation and and mark this moment in time. 
and yet realize that we'll continue the conversation next week and the week after and the year after and the year after and and do our best to help clarify some of these concepts by the time they're 18 and maybe go off to whatever they're going to go off to. But even then, you know, we did an episode on fathering adult children. You know, hopefully these are conversations that we can continue to have with our kids for as long as that, you know, as long as we are in their lives on this side of uh, <laughs> on this side of the dirt. So anyway. It's exactly right. It's important to do both the ongoing conversations and and the trips that that mark significant turning points or significant moments in in life, you know, stages. Well, I it's been fun to hear from you, Liam. Thank you for taking. I'm sure you've enjoyed this because it means you're probably not doing schoolwork right now. I, I guess you have yeah. to get back to school. <laughs> we'll make sure to have you on every week. Give you a little little break from school every single week. Uh, yeah, okay, nice. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you for sharing your heart. And I'm glad you get to have that experience with your dad. It sounds like it was magical. And uh, my encouragement to you, and actually maybe another question, do you journal? I mean, I, I would encourage you to maybe write about some of this stuff, to reflect it so you can look back on it in the future. What were some of the emotions you had and what were some of the conversations and the things that you learned? I don't know if you're a journaler. My my sons would bristle if I suggested that. I need to go have that conversation with them maybe. Uh, I mean, I actually have to sit and write this down. But getting some of this on paper could be a good thing for you to do as you reflect on it and think about it and mark this moment in time. Yeah, I am not a journaler, but I'll actually definitely go home and consider that. Maybe maybe get out of one of my books and start writing. Yeah. Cool. It's, it's a it's a good thing to learn early in life. I I'm in my 40s, Liam, and I don't do very well at journaling. So it's but I do know that the times that I have, I, I really I benefit from it. It's good to process, but it's also fun to look back on to even just read back on some of the things I wrote from years ago. And I'm glad I took the time to do that. So I think you would be glad to take even if you just write one little page of stuff. I think you'll be glad that you did that. So that would be my encouragement to you, Perry. Thank you as always for uh, for showing up and for sharing your heart and uh, for opening, kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit on you and your family and what you guys have done. Because I am sure that it has blessed others who are listening and me as well as I'm thinking about some coming of age trips with my soon to be 13 year old son Jackson. So thank you as always. Cool. My pleasure. Cool, man. So we will wrap up this episode of the Faithful Father uh, Faithful Fatherhood <laughs> podcast. And uh, thank you for the the five. We have actually a bunch of five star reviews that have come in. So thank you guys for at least clicking that. Who wants yeah, to be the first? Yeah. Who wants to be the first to leave a written review? I'll challenge you guys. Maybe we'll read it on the. Well, maybe that'll discourage you from leaving a written review. Maybe you don't want your written. Okay. Well, you can leave it anonymous. We won't read it. But anyway, just leave us some written reviews because that actually helps others who are trying to find the podcast. Uh, that would be wonderful as well. But. Enough of a plug. We'll let you guys get back to the rest of your week, and we will talk with you again soon on the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. Take care, everyone. Okay.